to everybody. And uh, can you hear me all right? <laughs> it seems kind of loud, but, uh, but that's good because I, my voice is not too loud. Uh, this is a wonderful season, isn't it? Revival? Can you all remember the times in your life as you look back? Some of you have lived in Cal virtually all of your life. But maybe you can think back, and maybe you all can think back on times of revival that really, really ministered to you. Aren't those sweet times? And I had a time like this in the year 1984, a long time ago. And uh, God really met with me. I was a Christian, but he just really uh, taught me uh, about God's grace and about God's majesty. And the honor of walking with God, living for His glory, and uh, that happened during what I would call revival season at our church. It was a Baptist church uh, in Chesapeake, Ohio, so pretty far away from here. But anyway, revivals are very, very special, and uh, it's we need to kind of define what a revival even is, because uh, sometimes we use a word and may not even think about what is that. I'm going to, to define it as a set-apart time this weekend, right? A set-apart time to seek the Lord. How does that fit? Sound good? And often involved in that is a renewal of our heart for God, our relationship with God, right? And just a, a returning back to Him, and, which is something all Christians need, all of us. We all need this. Uh, these times in our lives. And so I've been praying for you, but I've also been praying for me, the same, that God will do this in our life this weekend. We'll be going through the Beatitudes, um, which is in Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. And so tonight we will look at the first one, but I want to uh, read it to you, and then I want to ask you for Ask the question, answer the question, why the Beatitudes? Because normally when we think about revival, you wouldn't go to the Beatitudes, okay? It's kind of an unusual thing. But yet we find, I trust, that it is a, a great passage to be used by God to draw us back uh, to Christian character. That we would once again shine brightly in a dark world. But secondly, that this passage that we're going to be looking at deals with the gospel, believe it or not, and it drives us back to the love of Christ and the security we have in Christ's finished work on the cross. And so those two things beautifully come, to that, come together in the Beatitudes. And as we go through tonight and tomorrow night and Sunday morning, I trust that you'll see how that actually works. And so it's a very, very uh, important passage. Let me read it, then I'll, I'll um, talk about it a little bit. This is starting at verse 1 of chapter 5. And seeing the multitudes, he, that is Jesus, went up into a mountain. And when he was set, his disciples came unto him. And he opened his mouth. Now don't, don't blow past that. When it says he opened his mouth, that's a very special meaning in the, the New Testament is written in Greek. And so the original Greek, that means what, what was coming out of Christ's mouth wasn't just 
regular verbiage, regular words. This was profound. And it, it was, a, it was a, a, a pivotal moment in the history of the world, if you want to put it that way. So when it says he opened his mouth, it was a very important thing that was happening. He opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And so those are the Beatitudes. They talk about the rarity of true Christian character. Would you agree with me that the year 2023, the world is becoming increasingly dark? Would you agree with that? I mean, I don't know what it's like in Calvin, but I can imagine it's like where I live. Things are becoming increasingly dark, and yet true Christian character can shine brightly in the darkness. And the Beatitudes are a perfect expression of what true Christian character is. And it's not so much the externals. It's not how much I go to church, although that's important. It's not whether I avoid these sins or do these right things, although all that's important. It has to do with your attitude, your heart, and what is going on between you and the King of Kings. And so this is the rare jewel in the world. It is, it is like a diamond. I chose the Beatitudes, secondly, because they help us to draw near to God. Number three, they show us our need. None of us have arrived in these Beatitudes. I wonder if even if I had read them, if you were convicted of sin. Uh, I know I am when I just read them. Number four, they're used to purify and to cleanse us. And I would add a fifth reason, and this might encourage you. I need this. I need it. You know, I've been in Christian ministry since 1989. I don't know how many years that is. My math is not good, but whatever it is. Okay, 30-some years, 40 years, I don't know. Um, and I, I treasure these Beatitudes. In fact, the meeting I told you about, the revival meeting that transformed my life, uh, the, the season of revival, a personal revival, was based on these Beatitudes. So that was a long time ago. That was in 1984. And, uh, and yet I still have need to grow in these areas. And I still fall short. They still show me my sin and my need for grace. All right, well, let's go into the Beatitudes real quick. Um, just to, again, general introduction. The setting of these is the Sermon on the Mount. As I said, Christ spoke, and there was such authority that 
turn there unless you want to, but in the end of the Sermon on the Mount, which is chapter 7, verses 28 and 29, it says that the people were astonished. I mean, they were, I don't know what the, the Calvin word for this is, but they were flummoxed, or they were, they were, they had their mouth, their hand over their mouth, or they were, um, a friend of mine says, gobsmacked. Have you ever heard that phrase? Gobsmacked? I'm not sure I should use that word because I don't really know what it means, but, but just, you're just so amazed that you could hardly speak. And the people, after Christ gave this sermon, were amazed, astonished, because of the authority that he, in which he spoke. That same authority is here in this building tonight. Not, not the preacher. I'm, I'm a B minus or C plus preacher. I don't even consider myself a preacher. But the word of God is the same. And it still pierces our hearts. And let us listen this weekend. Let us listen to the word with that in mind. Number two, the Beatitudes are the opposite of the world. The world says this, seek power. Jesus says, blessed are the weak. Right? It's the exact opposite. The world is thirsty for power and for glory. And the Beatitudes speak the exact opposite of that. For example, the world says, blessed are the rich. Blessed are the Bill Gates of the world. <laughs> or the, the Amazon guy. His name, but blessed are those guys. And Jesus says, Blessed are the poor in spirit. Poor? Look at what that word means. It's, there's a specific meaning to the, to the particular Greek word that Jesus used, and it will amaze you. It's the exact opposite of the world. The Beatitudes are also a rare diamond in this world, and I've already talked about. Number four, they humble us. They lead us to the cross of Christ, even as Christians. You know, it's easy to, to think, have the, uh, what my wife calls the us versus them mentality. Okay? The us are the Christians. The preachers. <laughs> and so The them are the people outside of the church tonight. They've got the problem that we are, we've got it together. Well, that's, that's not exactly correct. We all have the same need. And these Beatitudes humble all of us, everybody in this room, and the preacher most of all. And so we'll see how these Beatitudes constantly bring us back to the grace of and then finally, the Beatitudes, they don't save us. We're not saved by how well we keep the Beatitudes. Aren't you glad? We're saved by something that was done for us. Jesus, he perfectly kept the Beatitudes for us. Jesus alone died on the cross, taking the wrath and the justice should have fallen on us. It fell on Christ. And so we're not saved at all 
by anything within us. We are saved by what Christ did. But having been saved, having trusted Christ as our Savior, we're now free to pursue Christian character and to grow in Christian character. Are you all familiar with the Golden Gate Bridge out in San Francisco? You've seen pictures of it, I'm sure. I don't know if you know the story about this, but when it was built, it was high up and long ago, people were working on the, the beams and the rafters, and they were falling off the bridge and dying. It's falling you know, to their death. And so somebody had the bright idea, let's put a huge net under the Golden Gate Bridge as these workers are building, are building on it. That way, if they do fall off, the net will catch them and they'll be safe. So here's a fun question. Don't answer it out loud, okay? <laughs> but here's a fun question. Do you think more people fell off the bridge before the net was there or after the net was there? What do you think? The answer is this. More people fell off the bridge before the net was there. Now, why am I talking about that on Revival Weekend? Because of this. The grace of God is your safety net as you seek to walk with Him. And if you fall, if you stumble, you're safe. And that actually frees you up to pursue Christ frees you up to forget yourself and to pursue Christian character. Does that make sense? It's a wonderful thing. The grace of God. And so we'll constantly be looking back at that. Alright, well let's look at the first one tonight and, um, and it's such a wonderful, wonderful way that our Savior began the whole, the whole Sermon on the Mount. He said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. What does it mean when Jesus said blessed? It means this. It means to be congratulated. If you are blessed in this way, it means you are to be envied. You are to be congratulated. You are to be applauded that you've been given such a great thing, that you are so blessed. And so that is what it means, blessed, to be envied, to be encouraged, to be congratulated. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Now that's a strange thing to say. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Who are the poor in spirit? The word poor there, there, there are two words that Christ could have used for poor. One, and I don't want to say what they are because they're in Greek and, you know, it just gets confusing. But one word that Christ could have used that the Greeks of his time used described poor as sort of your, you know, you don't have much money. You don't go out to eat very much. In fact, you don't go out to eat at all. But if you're careful, you can kind of make it through life. You know, you won't have the greatest car, you won't have this, you won't have that. Um, you may not even have a car, but you're still living, you've got air conditioning, you're kind of getting through life, okay? That is, that's one form of the word that would be used. 
Christ used was this. It's those who are in a corner. They're pushed into a corner. They have absolutely nothing, nothing, that they can lay claim to. They are destitute and they are permanently bankrupt. They have nothing at all. And they have nothing but to hope to look to somebody to deliver them. And that is the word that Christ used here. Blessed are the poor. And the, the word there is patakos. The patakos in spirit. So it's, it, it has nothing to do with material things. Nothing. It's all about your spiritual condition before Almighty God. Poor in spirit. You have nothing to give to a holy God. You have nothing of righteousness that you can present to God and say, well, God, uh, sure, I'm glad I'm on your team. I bet you're glad, too. <laughs> you know, I've, I've done this, I've done this, I've done this, I've done this, and I'm just glad that be together. No. The poor spirit are those who have nothing to give. They can only look to heaven for mercy. And they rely on what Christ has done for them. You see, Jesus alone has kept the law of God, the commands of God. Um, the law of God is summarized in two ways. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the Bible often tells us, you must do that perfectly, or else you won't go to heaven. And then it says, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Do you love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength? I know you want to. I'm sure you do. I do too. But the fact is, beloved, in our life, we have all fallen short of the glory of God. And in light of the perfection of the law of God, that is the, the absolute, we're to keep the law, we're to keep the love of God the way Christ loved God. Now, do you do that? No. Christ alone loved his Father with all of his heart, soul, mind, and strength. He alone perfectly loved his neighbor as himself. And so this is, this is the gospel message. We have not done this. Christ alone has done this. And so the poor in spirit are people that recognize that. They, they actually recognize the truth. And they look to another for righteousness. Jesus said, blessed are the poor in spirit. Now why? Why are these people blessed? For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Isn't that great? Isn't that great? We've done nothing. Christ is
18, 9 through 14, which illustrates this passage that we just looked at. Jesus spake this parable unto certain who trusted, or which trusted in themselves, that they were righteous and despised others. So Christ is getting ready to tell a parable, okay? He's telling it to people who are trusting in themselves, trusting in their own righteousness. They're, they're kind of feeling like their spiritual ducks are in a row. And Christ tells them this parable. Two men, have y'all have you ever heard this parable? Do y'all know it? You know what's coming? The Pharisee and the tax collector. Do y'all know this? Okay. Let me read it to you. And I want to tell you a little bit about the Pharisee and a lot about the tax collector. Two men went up into the temple to pray. The one, a Pharisee, and the other, a publican or a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself. Now just, just get a load. <laughs> oh, man. God, I thank thee that I am not as other men are, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican, this tax collector over there in the corner. I thank you that I'm not like him. That's what he's doing. I thank you, God, that I'm not like them. God is saying, you are like them. In fact, you're worse. You're worse. But the Pharisee was deceived. But these Pharisees, we don't want to be too hard on them because, after all, they had a zeal. They were interested, to some degree, in being obedient to God, to being in conformity with the law of God. You know, uh, I would like to have a Pharisee for my next door neighbor, okay? <laughs> because he would cut his grass, he would obey, you know, he would, he would keep his dog from barking all the time. You know, he would, he would do what was right. <laughs> but I would not want to go on vacation with the Pharisee because he would be constantly evaluating. Oh, you're doing this, you're doing this, you're doing this. But anyway, here's the old Pharisee. The Pharisees of Christ's day, I want to tell you this, maybe you don't know it. it they had all these rules that they, they came up with. They took the 613 commandments in the Old Testament, okay? 613. And they said, we're going we're to keep those. And they, they sought to keep those. But then they added some more rules just to make sure that they were on good terms with one of the rules, remember the, the fourth commandment says, uh, remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. Remember that? <clears throat> Don't break the Sabbath. You know, rest on the Sabbath. Remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. Well, the Pharisees knew that and they said, yes and amen. In fact, here's the rule, buddy. Here's what you got to do. On Saturday, any Saturday. Back then, the Old Testament, the Sabbath was on a Saturday. They said on a Saturday, on Saturday, on the Sabbath, don't spit on the dirt. 
and spit on the dirt. Why? Can you think? Here's the reason why. Because they said, if you spit on the dirt, you are going to raise up the ground. You might dig a, a ditch, and perhaps a sea will blow into that ditch that your spit caused. And you may accidentally cause a plant to be planted, like corn or whatever, and it might grow. And you will have broken the Sabbath. Can you imagine living under that? And can you imagine the hypocrisy of that? That was the Pharisee.
Do you all know this song? I'm sure you all know it. Rock of Ages. Do you know that song? There's a line in here. This is nothing in my hands I bring, simply to thy cross I cling. That, that is it. We bring nothing to God except for the cross. That's it. And that's what it means to become a Christian. The beloved, that's how we continue. You don't say, well, I had that long ago, you know, 1984, right? <laughs> and uh, now I can just kind of put that in the, in the file cabinet and get on with my life and start obeying God and doing this and this and this and forget the cross. No, we don't forget the cross. We stay at the foot of the cross all of our life, every day, until we go to glory. We boast only in Jesus alone. And again, that frees us. because of the promise of the gospel. 
Father, in many ways, I feel like this time of prayer is the most important part of a sermon. We cry out to you. By your Holy Spirit, would you take the words of this beatitude that we looked at tonight? Drive them all into our hearts. That we would grow in being poor in spirit. We confess, Father, I confess, often, too often, in fact, <laughs> very often. I have lifted my head in pride. I have begun to be like the Pharisee, thinking that I'm better than others. Thank you. 